Rule one, color the background first. Um, first of all, I want to say a thank you to Mr. Devin Carter for sending me a list of tips and tricks when it comes to digital coloring. I've always struggled when it comes to the color game. Actually, to be more honest, I've always avoided it, you know. Find a way. I found ways to make my art look good without color and always outsource, outsource the job of color artists. But as I, you know, really began to take this thing seriously, art is a business, being a comic book artist, a conceptual artist, someone who uh, aspires to into animation or you know game design, character design, storyboarding I have to be able to color. Does that mean I have to be a master digital painter? No, I just have to you know find a comfortable way of coloring that suits my style you know, as my style continues to develop. And I've kind of done that now. I have a idea of where I want to go and where I need to end up, you know, to uh, communicate my artwork best, you know, within the style that I'm comfortable with. You know, that's not too daunting or draining. So, like I said, color the background first. You know, as I'm testing coloring pages or just a piece of artwork, I'm finding that out. Do the background first. And also, as a conceptual storyboard, sequential comic book artist, I've always, you know, struggle with background. I can draw background. I can draw any building I can see. You know, I can find references and do a skyline of a building or whatever, of a city, rather. But then, I don't know, I've always struggled with, you know, fitting background in my panels, you know. I never find that sweet spot between too much and too little. But I'm getting better at that with the projects I'm working on. So as I color, and I learned this color the background first, I might translate this when it comes to drawing with pencil and pen, or even on the tablet. Draw the background first. And sometimes you have to, especially when, per the story, the background is necessary for the story. Like You need that backdrop, you need that setting to uh, communicate to the audience what's going on, where they are. Sometimes the background creates a certain feel or it gives you, you know, a certain dynamic or even pulls the plot along. It lets the people know that you're going from this place to this place via the background. What's going on in the background? What is the background, you know? So... I need to do that more often. 
Actually, it should be a rule of thumb. Draw the background first. Even though you have a lot of panels where you don't want background. You just want to focus in on the character. What they're doing, what they're saying, their emotion they're displaying, their body language. You know, simplicity is the key. So I'm just messing around with the idea of how to best, you know, illustrate things, so to speak. Oh, and choosing colors. Oh, choosing colors is so, so, such a challenge. It, it is a challenge. You know, what colors best, you know, constitute a page. Maybe constitute wasn't the best word. Construct, you know, for different panels. So right now, I'm just playing around with a page and choosing colors. And really with a lot of programs, in the past, I've always been challenged with, especially if you're thinking about coloring an entire book, you know, when it comes to the color of a setting or even a character, you want your colors to be consistent. So, with the with the method, you know, a lot of programs have for you, you know, choosing color. Unless they offer you, you know, some sort of palette, so to speak. It's hard to keep track of the colors you chose, even for characters, you know. And you got to pay real close attention because sometimes you can get real close with no cigar. So... You're just randomly, you know, picking colors to throw on the character. And you feel like it's the same color you used on the last page. It can be slightly off. I don't know. Even if it's just by the most microscopic difference. I notice that difference. And it kind of irks me a little. That shouldn't happen. You know. It makes me think about all the comic books I've read, you know, throughout my lifetime and like how much have they done that has the color of someone's skin or hair or clothing been slightly off, you know, or every time they show the X mansion in the comic book, you know, it's a slightly colored different. I know it's been slightly drawn different, even in the same book from panel to panel. It is a little different. It is a little skewed. You, know, you can attribute that to perspective. Or you can just be honest and say it's nearly impossible to draw the same thing twice exactly as it was. Unless either you know, you're a robot or an alien, I don't know. But it is ne nearly impossible. It's very hard to do unless you use some type of stencil or reference frame and still 
there'll be something that's completely off. There'll be something slightly different, bigger, smaller. Good thing for the internet, you can cut and copy and paste, you know. And if you change perspectives, you know, from the setting, from the building, from the X Mansion, you know, you can put the same landmarks, you can put the same, you know, architecture, but it will be different. Though we find tricks, you know, to trick our audience. You know, we use simplicity, we use repetition, you know. Design a building simply with distinct, you know, architecture. And you can repeat that and they will recognize it and associate it with that same building. You wouldn't be able to argue a person down that it's something completely different. And it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be the same building. That's what I want you to think. That's what I want you to know and believe. So, yeah, you can probably hear me scraping away. I don't know, it's just like such a challenge for me. But at the same time, it's kind of liberating because I was stuck for a long time. But now I find a method. I found a method that I'm comfortable with. I feel like I can move forward. I can take the first steps into, you know, being a competitor, you know, in this game, in this industry, in this lifestyle. You know, I want to compete. I should be able to compete, to contend, you know, with some of the best if I want to thrive. Before continuing, I was listening to the last, what you would call it, uh, segment that I just posted on my station, and I was really scratching, like, it sounded like I was putting, you know, real pencil to paper. Yeah. I know I'm kind of detached when I'm drawing. I think it's because I'm not drawing on the surface in which the image is, you know, being manipulated. I'm drawing on this. Essentially what it is is a giant, you know, mouse pad. That's how I take it. You know, I assume the technology is the same, you know. Well, there's no technology in a mouse pad. Well, what I mean is, you got a laptop, the little surface, you put your finger on to move the mouse, so to speak. You know, you make a big one of those, the size of a piece of paper, plug it into your computer, voila. You have a drawing tablet. They call these tablets. I don't consider. I don't know. It should. It should have a different name, especially when you're shopping. And like, yeah, I want a drawing tablet and a bunch of these, you know, things show. They should have a different name. Someone should come up with a phrase. But uh, yeah, I'm still at it. You know, coloring away.
and it's come along nicely and I'm thankful for that. I'm grateful for that. And I'm just imagining all the different ways I can make it work for me. You know, that's what it's really about. I had to learn that the hard way. I had to spend, I don't want to say 20 years, at least 10 years, you know, chasing perfection before I figured out. It's more about telling a story and putting something out. Not that your artwork should be crap, but it took me another five, six years to like really comprehend the sophistication behind simplicity. Like I just want to simplify my work as much as possible. If not for anything, for productivity, for the ability, you know, to work fast. But also deliver, you know, good quality product. And when you are a, dare I say, master drawer, penciler, like you're someone who can, you know, render a portrait with pencil, as I've done, as I've known, a lot of people would be able to do, you know. But then you essentially dumb down that ability to the cartoon. It doesn't really dumb down your ability. It takes more ability to, you know, to deliver posture, expression, you know, movement in the most simplest of forms, you know. And there is a sophistic sophistication to it and being able to communicate with simplicity. You know, with the image. You know, and it's weird. The thing about this book is, if you read it, you know, if you read the script I was writing, you would never think that this artwork would go to it because, you know, it's a serious ordeal, you know, what's going on in the story, you know, for the people in this world. No, no one's playing games. Lives are at stake, you know, type of situation. Even the dialogue is kind of heavy. And I have to find a way to put, you know, some some type of comedy in there. I don't know if I should or if I have to, but it can't, can't be too heavy all the way through. There has to be some light moments or some lightheartedness, you know, show the softer side of some characters. Can't be battle mode all the time. And speaking of the script, I might have mentioned this in a prior podcast, but it's the first time in a long time, not the first time, literally, but, it's, you know, in a long time that I've, you know, physically written out the script. Usually, I just put dialogue and notes right there on my on my roughs when I'm roughing out a page, you know, because whenever I work, in my mind, I work out the entirety of a story before I even put pencil to paper to do the book. I do put pencil to paper to design characters before the story is worked out, but before I say, okay, it's time to, you know, produce this book, I have it in my head, beginning to end. You know, complete it. I could sit you down and 
orally tell you the entire story, the interactions of all the characters. And when I put it down to paper, when I used to, you know, do the page roughs and add dialogue and narration, and I would put notes because, you know, I think everything is subject to change. So as it start, as it begins to manifest into an actual product, into a real tangible thing, you know, things change, you know. Not every scene fleshes out, as you imagine. Not all the dialogue rolls off, as you imagine. So you have to be able to make those changes. You have to be versatile and flexible, things of that nature. So when you see something's not working on the page, you know, and the best way to know if some dialogue is working is just to say it out loud. Like, wait, that sounds silly. Even for a comic book, most comic book dialogue is, you know, sort of cheesy and silly. But it has to be as a comic book. Just the nature, you know, of the medium. You, know, you have to explain more. You have to display more. Everything in a comic book must be ex exaggerated. You know, to to, del to deliver that punch. The background is done. Now it's to focus on the characters. And I usually do skin tones first. You know, you've got se several characters on this page. So, several skin tones. Um page I'm practicing on is a page for, you know, one of my newest projects. And it's like an all-black cast. But it's various skin tones, you know, from light to dark. You know, just in my mind, it just reminds me how diverse just black people are, you know. Especially, I don't, I can't speak for anywhere else, but as far as I know, black Americans, the, the descendants of slaves, because of the whole process of slavery, we have become one of the most diverse races probably on the planet. I don't know, and we don't speak about that a lot. It should be spoken on more. It should be recognized more. It's something to be proud of, I guess, in a way. I mean, how much pride can you take from, you know, the way that diversity was accumulated? I don't know. But anyway, yeah, this is my all-black book. Because for years, people, you know, have always had these, you know, diverse books with people from multiple races. You know, I, you know, I came up reading the X-Men, so I always wanted books like that. But, you know, friends and family, I always tell you know, make a book with black people. Just all, the all black, you know, cast, you know. So I did that, and I don't know, it's just the elements I put in it and the dynamic. I don't want to explain it and give it all away, but it's very interesting. It's not what you would expect at all. And I tend to do that. Even with Chain Gun, you know. When people heard Chain Gun, they associated it with Django Unchained. It made assumptions, but it's nothing like what you would think it is.
you know, it's very unique in its, in its own right, in its own thing. And as I'm making, you know, my first all-black narrative, is not what you would expect, you know, hearing those words lumped together. So this is indeed a black book or black, I want to say the word movie, because that always comes to terms to think of black narratives, you think of movies, you know, the history of black cinema, you know, from the rise of Sidney Poitier to, you know, the 90s where we get all these hood movies, and now you got so many tropes and cliches. And I think a lot of black cinema falls into it. It's either the high drama, the hood movie, or the comedy. And we have yet to really break that mold when it comes to depicting the all-black cast. Well, Marvel's going to do it with this new Black Panther movie. But it's supposed to be a movie for everyone. It just so happens to have an all-black cast. I mean, no movie should be just for one group of people, you know. It should be for everyone, and it can display a single race or culture as long as it's accessible. And most movies are made that way. You know, how many Jackie Chan movies were in theaters globally that featured an all, you know, Asian cast? And it was just like a glimpse into that world, but it was presented to you in a way, you know, that you could project yourself into that world and you can be entertained you know how many movies with all white cast you know that everyone from every nationality you know goes to see and they project themselves into that movie and they relate to those characters you know so I don't know why it's this idea that it couldn't be done with all black you know cast like no one wants to see that the thing no one's saying when they say that is basically that foreign markets are racist against Negroes. Nobody wants to say those words, but that's what you're insinuating. Like no one wants to see, you know, like a black James Bond. What? Why? Because we don't like black people, basically. You know, and white is the standard. Everybody wants to see the white superhero. They accept it. You know, it's normal. It's been beaten to your head, you know, for centuries. You know. And then you have the other races or nationalities playing the side roles. And they, there are different tropes. You know, I was uh, explaining to a friend. I was giving him a list of uh, black character tropes from cinema. You know, the one I hate the most is the buddy cop. Two buddy cops, one black, one white. White guy is the man of action, you know, the go-getter. And then the black cop is comedic relief, you know. Seen it 48 hours, you seen the lethal weapon. Uh, even in Bad Boys, you know, it seemed like Will Smith was the white cop. 
and Martin had to fill that that seat of of the clown. You know, that's what it really boils down to. You know, you got a, a serious hero. He's too serious. His partner is the clown, seated in Shrek, the donkey. Uh, uh, one of my my one of my most favorite black tropes is the simple but wise like mystic you know that Morgan Freeman that one person you go to he has some simple truth to convey that like brings all your struggles into light you know that one tickles me it's probably one of the oldest tropes you know Will Smith in a golf movie <laughs> Yeah, but that's a whole different podcast on its own. You know, a lot of these tropes aren't even recognized. You know, no one will admit to them. You know, Dave Chappelle is famous for exposing. You know, the man in the dress. It's not. It's not that white actors or whatever, they're not wearing, they're not men wearing dresses also, but if you look historically in how slaves were treated and things that were done to emasculate male slaves and then how that translates through culture and slides into movie making, you know, how actors were treated and, you know, things they had to do just to get recognized. It makes sense, you know, what Dave Chappelle was saying. He's like, you're not going to put me in a dress. I refuse to be one of those comedians. And can't argue with that. Can't be mad at him for that, even though nowadays, today, a lot of people would make, you know, a lot of arguments. They probably have a lot to say about that. But anyway, I don't know, sometimes when I'm working on... You know, something for a long time. I'll take a break and, and just do some rough sketching. I'm contemplating doing that just to loosen up a little. I've, you know, I've been feeling so focused and stringent and uh, too strict on myself with, you know, making these pages, practicing, you know, trying to get this coloring down. So I think I might do a little of that. I know since I got this thing, I really haven't touched traditional pencil and paper. But I've been contemplating, you know, my future method of production. Will it be completely on the tablet? Or I've been thinking about just doing the pencils, the roughs, on paper and doing the inking and the coloring on the tablet until I get a little bit better. I haven't, you know, gained full mastery over this thing, you know, so I wouldn't want to, I don't know, I'm not confident in producing, you know, complete works as I see them completely digitally. Not yet. I still have some work to do on that front. So I want to practice on on the tablet with, you know, sketching with different colors, 
usually blue and red. I've been working with those with my pencils, but right now I'm gonna try some purple. I always try to start with some basic anatomy. Never, you know, can go wrong with that. And the quicker I can make something look legible, the better I feel. Like right now, what I'm doing on this tablet, I feel good about. You know, sometimes you do something good, make you feel like, okay, I can fully transition. No problem. And then you'll try to repeat the process. And you find out you <laughs> that you're not ready. Like, oh, I thought I was ready. I am not. Still have work to do. Still have a lot of work to do. But I will do the work. I will make it happen. That's my goal. Let's get, this sketch is coming off nicely. I'll post it on Instagram if anyone wants to see it. You know, and I'm collecting sketches digitally. For a sketchbook, I will release a sketchbook. I'm trying to get a lot of products prepped and ready so I can you know, do my first convention. So I want a lot of things with me, you know, to sell, to, you know, maybe some things to give away. To, you know, people who might visit my table.